The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 148 of the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Today, I have a first for the show and bringing you Michael May. He is a graphic novelist and will be doing a reading. Now, you might be wondering, wait a minute, that's a, uh, that's a comic book. How is he going to do a reading on the show? Well, that's because we are fortunate enough that Michael is willing and happy I'm going to say happy. I'm guessing he was happy to do it. <laughs> Willing enough to describe the scene. He's describing the characters and the monsters and and, and doing sound effects as he does the reading and, and reads the dialogue. It is so much fun and, and a real treat for your imagination. So you're going you're gonna to love it when it comes up. Uh, but before we get to the reading, we're talking about how he got started in comics and uh, writing for it. Uh, his blogs that he does. His his other podcasts, he's also the co-host of uh, several other podcasts, including The Way I Found Him, which is one of my favorite shows right now, uh, the Hellbent for Letterbox podcast. We, he's he's going to share his experiences in writing and you know, how he's very much like the rest of us authors that were you know, worrying and, and panicked over each and every word that we're writing. And uh, not to mention, we're also going to learn about what goes into writing a graphic novel and how close that is to actually writing a script. It's a lot of laughs. We have a whole lot of fun. And again, that reading, you know, and go, listening to it that time and then going back and editing his reading for the show, I, I couldn't shake the feeling of like uh, watching the old Adam West Batman you know, <laughs> like hearing this and then he says, zoom or snack or, you know, whatever, all these sound effects. It's so cool. It's just very reminiscent of that. And you're going to really enjoy it. So stay tuned for that. It's coming up here in just a few moments. First, let me thank my longtime sponsor, Scrivener Writing Software. I, I love having them uh, as a part of the show and love having their software. It is something that I use with all of my writing now. And uh, I, I hope you will give it a try. If uh, you're not going to be doing NaNoWriMo this year, but you're interested in a coupon, then make sure you listen to the upcoming ad for them. But if you are going to be doing NaNoWriMo, make sure you not only look for me and add me as a buddy on there so that way we can read each other on, but check out their offers that they have. You can save 20% just by participating in NaNoWriMo. And if you win... If you write 50,000 words in the month of November and turn that over, you do what you're supposed to do to qualify as a winner, you will save 50% on Scrivener. So, otherwise, if you're not interested in doing that, still check out this advertisement for how you can save 20% from Sample Chapter Podcast. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. 
Now I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. All right. Well, I also want to thank my uh, my podcast network that I'm a happy participant and uh, partner with, Pop Goes the Culture Network, uh, home to about a dozen pop culture shows. And, you know, when I say pop culture, I mean they they cover it all it's a lot of fun shows on there the movies the tv the clothing the toys everything pop culture related uh, and even today stuff so not just the 70s 80s and 90s but all of your current movie news you know for for what there is these days <laughs> but it's all there they're talking about it all and i'm sure this week they're going to be talking about how excited they are for uh, mandalorian about to start up so Click that link in the show notes so that you can get over and, uh, and not only check out all their shows, but how to participate with their flagship show, Pop Goes a Culture Podcast, which airs uh, live every Thursday night. That's when they record, and you can participate in that. So, again, hit that link in the show notes so you can find out more about their other shows and how to participate. I also want to thank Project Entertainment Network. I've uh, been a happy partner with them for oh gosh uh, like nine months now i think it was like right as uh, covid started off no correlation there i'm sure <laughs> but uh yeah I, i'm so happy to be a part of their network uh they're home to about 35 other shows tons of shows to choose from doesn't matter what you're interested in they've got it check out this advertisement for one of those amazing shows right now a podcast where three horror authors discuss monsters? It must be Wondering Monster Roll Initiative! Uh, I feel like once you put the mask on it... It's, once you put the mask on it, it's a monster? Please rise for his yeah, dishonor. Nope, the, Judge of the Abyss. Fetid pig at the table of suffering. You brought... Cats Bravanaugh! You brought the Whomping Willow? I brought a goddamn kaiju. <laughs> we'll see you every Monday. Yes, indeed. An incredible show. I, I listen to that one, and I think, I, I, I know I check out every show on the network, but I'm a regular listener of at least, I'd say, 90% of the shows on there, because uh, just so many good ones. So, And I think you're going to enjoy it, too, so click that link in the show notes. Hey, don't forget you're also following all of our podcast partners and our sponsors on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever it is you're you're uh, you know a part of, we're probably there, and you can follow us there for news and updates and regular posts. Uh, if you are not a social media person, but you'd like to reach out to us here at the Sample Chapter Podcast, do so through email at samplechapterpodcast at gmail .com. You can also leave me a voicemail by calling six six zero eight five one 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 four six. And uh, just leave me a short voicemail. Tell me what you think of the show or, uh, you know, what what you think of a past episode or if you have an author you'd like to hear from, then uh, let me know. Anyway, uh, I think it's about time to go ahead and get us on over to our interview this week. It's a 
one that I'm really looking forward to sharing with you. And I can't wait to, uh, well, let's just get on over there. <laughs> no reason to explain it. Let's get over to our interview with podcaster and graphic novelist, Michael May. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Sample Chapter Podcast. Oh my gosh, this week I'm, <laughs> you know, I say excited a lot, and I, I I think I repeat that phrase an awful lot that I say it a lot, but this week is unique. It's going to be a first time for the show. Uh, my guest is Michael May. He's the writer of the graphic novel Kill All Monsters with some other stories that he's done as well. Plus, he's a podcaster of a show I've become a big fan of, Hellbent for Letterbox, and uh, several other shows that he also uh, co-hosts with and makes appearances on. And the reason I'm so excited is because we're going to be hearing from his graphic novel. It's a first for the show, and I cannot wait to dive into this. Michael May, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jason. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. It'll be uh, <laughs> definitely fun. <laughs> you know, I, it's like I said, as a fan of your your show, Hellbent for Letterbox, like I I had a feeling like, okay, this guy's got just the right amount of crazy that he might go for coming on the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I, I'm so I'm so happy that you agreed to come on. Very cool. Thank you for having me, man. <laughs> well, uh, give us a little bit of uh, of your background and uh, uh, what you're working on. Wow. I don't even know where to start. I, I've been um, a comics fan all of my life and um, have either written comics or written about comics for, I don't know, probably a couple of decades now. Um, I kind of got started in kind of introduced myself to the industry by reviewing comics for an old website that no longer exists. Um, but eventually started writing reviews and just kind of opinion pieces for comic book resources. I was part of their robot six blog, um, which was fairly popular, uh, a bunch of years ago. Now <laughs> that's long gone away. <laughs> um, but kind of after that all, I don't know. I guess I got tired of talking about comics. I just wanted to actually make some of my own. And, uh, I have a buddy who is a really talented artist, uh, from Canada named Jason Copeland and he and I had been talking for a long time about maybe doing something together. And, uh, he had this idea that he, he kind of grew up with Shogun warrior robot, um, toys. Do you remember those? Yeah. Uh, and he just, you know, he liked Godzilla and all that. And he wanted to do a, a comic about giant monsters fighting giant robots. And he said, Hey Mike, do you want to write it? And I said, of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where kill all monsters came to be. Um, and at some point I, I, uh, just got the podcasting bug. I have, um, well, you mentioned Hellbent for Letterbox. I do that show with my buddy Paxton Holly. Um, Pax was on a, a podcast called Nerd Lunch, which is just kind of a, a general nerd pop culture podcast uh, that he did with a couple of buddies. And I was on that show a bunch of times. And that just really got me crazy about podcasting. I've been doing a lot of blogging before then. Um, I like to blog, but I'm really slow at it. I like, I really kind of, it takes me a long time to write a blog post, whereas get a podcast and I just, just run off at the mouth and to edit later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just, I love, I love podcasting just because it gives me a chance to, to just have really fun conversations with a lot of different kinds of people about a lot of different kinds of things. Um, I tend to, 
get an idea for a show that I want to do, or like, it's like, you know, I don't want to watch, I want to watch a bunch of Tarzan movies. So, um, I got another buddy who wants, likes to watch Tarzan movies. So we start up a Tarzan podcast or, you know, I want to start a Thunder the Barbarian podcast or a Western podcast. And, uh, so I kind of like, I'm kind of famous for starting shows. <laughs> um, and most of them are still going to some extent or another, but, uh, but they're not all on a regular schedule anymore. I, I, uh, when I found your show, um, I, I don't know what the deal was. I don't remember what, why I was doing this, but I was looking for, um, somebody talking about Jeremiah Johnson. Mm. And that's how I found your show was like, Oh wow. These guys actually like talk about the movie and, and the story and everything. And like, I wouldn't even halfway through it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. I love this show. Let me go back and grab some more. And then I saw like, you guys have been on the air for, you've been doing this for like what, three or four years now. Yeah. About that. And I, I'm just blown away. And then I didn't, I didn't put two and two together or maybe I just didn't put a lot of thought into it at all, but like, I'm just downloading episodes like crazy and subscribing to it. And I went through, I, I think your whole, <laughs> your whole set in about a week. Wow. And, uh, and then I'm like caught up and like there was nothing new coming out. And then it finally your, a new episode dropped. And then I realized, oh, okay. So over so many years time, that's how I caught up is because it's a monthly show. And mm-hmm. I, I just didn't put two and two together thinking about that at all. But, but that's still like cool. And that explains also how you were able to do so many shows without going crazy. Right. Right. Yeah. Most of my shows tend to be monthly. Um, Hellbent tends to be kind of bi-monthly just because Pax and I will we'll record two episodes at the same time and then he'll edit one and I'll edit the other one and then we'll ah. just kind of drop them a couple of weeks apart from each other so um but yeah I, doing a weekly show that you know I think that's how why Nerd Lunch kind of went away was just because those guys were doing it every week and we're putting a lot of effort into it every week and mm-hmm. like, I don't even know how you do that <laughs> it's uh there's there's sometimes I wonder myself but yeah <laughs> you know but it, I you know, every time I start to get a little tired of it, I get opportunities like this where it's like I'm getting to talk to somebody that I was like really looking forward to or um, or, or I'll have an author reach out to me that's like my first book is coming out in a few weeks and I'm looking for ways. And I'm like, yeah, come on the show. And all of a sudden just that, that, that energy level just goes right back up again. I'm like, oh, gosh, this, I'm so excited. I get to help you know spread word about this new author and their their first book and. And whether it's that or somebody's 20th book and, uh, cause even the traditional authors are still having to, uh, you know, find their own, uh, marketing a lot of times, right. um, yes. whether they're New York times or whatever. And I, I, yeah, it, it's as much as it occasionally wears down on me as soon as I get working on it, or especially once I've started talking to somebody, it's just like, man, I can't wait to get this episode out there and share it. And, but I can see where, your schedule and having so many shows, it still keeps your name out there, which is, of course, important as a as a writer and, and a creator. Yeah, that's true. I, it's it's weird because I tend to keep the podcasting world and my writing world just kind of very compartmentalized in my head. I, I was on a show recently. Um, it was one of my own shows, and we were talking about we kind of wrapping up the show and. and um, I kind of always give people a chance to, especially their guests, to you know, kind of say you know, where can people find more of your stuff on the internet and all that kind of stuff. And, and somebody reminded me, it's like, Hey Mike, you've got something, you, you got this comic book. That you wrote. It's like, Oh yeah. Like I never talk about it on the podcast, but it's, it's there. And like, and when I am thinking about that or, and especially like as we, uh, so we have this, this one 
big omnibus graphic novel is a total brick. It's like 300 something pages. Um, that was published by dark horse a couple of years ago. And, um, I just finished writing the sequel to it. So, um, once Jason has a chance to draw it and we kind of get it out into the world, then like my brain will kind of go back to, okay, it's time to start, you know, focusing on kill all monsters again. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's very, um, I, I should do a better job of, of kind of integrating the, uh, the writer side of my life with the podcasting side of my life. <laughs> well, clearly you're a very modest guy. I mean, just, just from listening to you and you and Paxton talking, uh, I mean, you're very modest. You guys don't bring up a lot of your own stuff in the background, which, you know, and I can relate to that because it's, I'm like with this show, I look at it as an opportunity to tell everybody about my guest. Mm-hmm. And over time, I've I've like been reminded like, hey, it's your show. You need to like remind people that you've got a book too, or yeah, or, or a new book coming. And like, oh yeah, okay, I probably should. And, <laughs> and it's interesting because people will reach out to you and want to know, hey, when's your next book coming out? Or hey, Michael, when's your next comic coming out? And, right. and you're like, oh yeah, I I should probably remind <laughs> everybody. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. <laughs> unless you're going on somebody else's show, it doesn't really occur to us to like want to talk about our own stuff. Right. Right. <laughs> I can totally relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> so how did uh, Hellbent for Letterbox come about? Uh, so that was, I like I said, I kind of got the podcasting bug just by guesting on Pax's other show, Nerd Lunch, and uh, immediately like I wanted to kind of just put my my toe in the water a little bit, try to figure out like, okay, how do you do a podcast? And I, I experimented with a couple of others and, um, I probably should have quit there. Like I, so one of the other nerd lunch guys, his name is Carlin and he and I started a, a show called dragonfly ripple, uh, which was, it's, uh, I don't know if you're a Muppets fan at all, but it's, it was named after the, uh, Kermit the frogs flavored ice, favorite ice cream, oh, gosh, <laughs> yes. favorite ice cream flavor. I remember that. Movie. Yeah. Uh, but it was all about kind of bringing up the next generation of nerds. So, uh, Carlin has, um, uh, a daughter who was pretty young at the time and, uh, my son was pretty young. And so we were like, okay, let's, let's just do a show about what it's like to kind of be a nerd parent and introduce your kids to these different things. And so hmm. it was really the four of us together on this show where me and Carlin and then our two kids and we would just, share things with our kids and talk about how they enjoyed it and that kind of stuff. So that was like my first kind of podcast effort. And then I started another one, which is still ongoing. Uh, so Dragonfly Ripple is kind of done because our kids, my son just, he's a freshman in college this year. So <laughs> like all the nerd parenting I'm doing, well, that's not really true. Like, you know, you, you never really grew out of it. I'll still constantly introduce him to things, but he's introducing me to things that it's just a different dynamic. But, um, I started a show called mystery movie night, um, with some buddies of mine, uh, that it's, uh, we call it the movie review podcast. It's also a game. And the, the concept of that one is I promise I'll get back to hell for letterbox in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the concept behind mystery movie night is that, uh, the one the host of that particular episode picks three movies that have some kind of secret connection to them. And it could be like an actor or a prop or a theme or music or whatever. And, but that's a secret. So they just say, okay, we're going to watch these three movies and then we'll come on. We'll talk about the three movies and then we'll, you know, spend some time at the end trying to guess what the secret connection is. So like that and Dragonfly Ripple probably should have been enough for me, but Pax and I were talking about Westerns some at one point. uh, And, 
Um, I think it was a response to something I'd written on my blog and, and we were just talking about like new Westerns coming up and how we were excited about this movie or that movie. And I'm like, dude, we got to do a Western podcast. And PAX wasn't really like looking to start a new podcast. And, and, but I was still like super excited about just the idea of podcasting. And so I said, okay, I'm going to make this as simple for you as possible. You don't have to do any editing. You don't have to do any hosting. Just, just, you know, watch a movie and then come talk with me about it. And I will do the, I'll do all the work. And, uh, so I think that nibble was, was like, that made it enticing to him and made him think, okay, maybe I can do this. Um, but then Pax being Pax, he's like, no, I'm going to help out. Like I'm going to, like you know, <laughs> he, he edits every other episode and hosts every other episode. And, uh, so that's how it all started. It was just like, I was kind of just starting to get into the craziness of, um, Hey, if I have this idea, I can actually make something, um, and put it out into the world and, uh, and just Westerns was something I really wanted to talk about. I, you know, it, funny story going back and binging your, your, your whole show. I, I kept some Paxton, Paxton's name just kept sticking in my head and I couldn't figure out why until mm. you did Silverado. And then it hit me. And it's that scene early in the movie when <laughs> they're looking for Baxter and Holly. And that, that's what it was. It was wow. like, oh my gosh, that's what it was. Like, I, I, every time I kept thinking, and I kept saying his name like that, like, Axton, Howley? And I'm like, oh, why am I, why is that in my head so much? Cause Silverado is, is, has a very special place in my heart. It's probably in my top five easily, wow. uh, for, uh, for not just westerns, but movies, I'd say. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of those movies I can quote and, <laughs> but that just that just cracked me up, like how close his name was, and that's what was that's... sticking in my head. I guess that's just how my brain works. But I was like, oh my gosh! So uh, shout out to Paxton, uh, big fan of the show there. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now I have to go back and watch Silverado again because I, if I noticed that before, I could have forgotten it because my my brain forgets <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's those those guys with the uh, the wagon trains, like you're not Baxter and Holly. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. So how long have you been, had you been writing prior to doing the graphic novel? Um, a few years. I, I, I've got my start. Um, I was on the message board. You remember the internet back in the day of message boards. Oh yeah. And, um, there was, uh, there's a comics writer named Steve Niles who is a horror writer. I'm a big horror fan too. And Steve, um, he wrote the comic, uh, called 30 days of night, which has been made into a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, people might be familiar with that, but anyway, he had a message board and, um, I was on that message board. And one of the cool things about Steve was that he was very gracious about sharing, uh, like kind of his experience, but also like encouraging other people, creative people. And he just, he gathered this community around himself of just, artists and writers and people who you know were eager to break into the comic book industry um but uh you know didn't really know how didn't know what to do and and you know Steve wasn't going to like you know do the work for us but he was also he was always very kind of eager to you know kind of share his experiences but it just we decided that people on the message board decided to, we were going to make a comic. And so we just started pairing up writers and artists and we made this horror anthology, which, you know, is, uh, about the level of quality you might expect <laughs> a horror anthology by a bunch of amateurs to be, but it was super fun. And, uh, just 
kind of introduced me to the idea of like collaborating on stories and like, you know, writing something and then seeing it come to life with a, with an artist. And, uh, so I just did a bunch of anthology stories for a long time. They're, they're pretty easy to write. They're short. You know, so kill all monsters was like my first, like, you know, long form comic, mm. but I'd been kind of just playing around with different kinds of, you know, shorter comic book stories in these anthologies for a while. Well, that's cool though. And I mean, and, and just going through your, your, uh, your blog on your website, I mean, good Lord, you've got a blog post dating back to 2005 where you had 175 and it just kind of grows and, you know, goes up and down throughout the years. That's quite the uh, accomplishment there. Yeah. I've had that blog going for a long time. It just, it started off just very much. Uh, I go back and read some of those early posts and it's just me trying to figure out what is blogging. Like, you know, it, I think I had a live journal back in the day. And, uh, if you remember live journal yeah. and I decided I didn't really like the format of live journal. So it's like, it, and blogger was kind of a new thing. I was like, okay, I'm going to try this out. And, um, I was just going to use it to kind of like talk about my creative process. It was really just kind of a diary for a long time. And, um, then at various points, I, I kind of started using it for other things and started actually building an audience around myself, uh, for a while. And kind of during blogging's heyday, I was, you know, I, I used, I got a lot of interaction on the blog and, and, uh, I would just, I'd share everything like art that I would find or, um, news stories or whatever. It was just kind of like the one, a one man show. And then things like Tumblr came along. And so I, I quit just sharing art on my blog and I would just kind of do that on Tumblr. And, and so it's kind of morphed into right now. It's, it's a place where I kind of, I at least will let people know like what podcast I was on recently. Mm-hmm. And then it really, it ramps up a couple of times a year. Uh, I'm a big Halloween fan. So mm-hmm. um, I do a countdown to Halloween um, every October. So like pretty much every day on October, I'm putting up something kind of horror or Halloween related. Um, I'm a big fan of the, the story of Christmas Carol. Um, and I'm a big fan of Christmas in general. So every December, um, I do a series of posts about the a Christmas Carol. And then the rest of the year, it's just kind of like, uh, oh, here's a movie I want to talk about or here's something I want to do. Like as part of Hellbent for Letterboxd, uh, I kind of started this project of watching Western films that are take place in specific historical time periods. Um, and kind of, so I, I wanted to kind of build for myself, like this filmography of Westerns that, that kind of start in like the 1820s, um, or even a, bit, a little bit earlier and kind of just tell the story of like the Westward expansion and just kind of the history of what went on there. So I've been, uh, blogging about that. Um, uh, every once in a while. And, uh, and I also talk about those movies, uh, on Hellbent when we, when I do them. So yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, blogging is, is, is cool, but it's, it's, it's a lot of work for me. Like I, I, like I said earlier, I put a lot of thought into my writing and probably too much thought. Like it, it, one of the reasons I quit writing about comics, um, for money was just because it, it was nice to get paid writing about comics, but it was also, um, just, it took so much time. Like I, I just kind of agonize over every, every sentence. And so I, I'm trying to get better about just, I guess being not quite as, uh, as anal about <laughs> my blog posts, especially like my blog, um, just michaelmay.online is 
um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's kind of back to like a diary format now, although I do realize that I have other people reading it. Well, but that's good practice. Uh, you know, just being able to do that on a regular basis is still good practice, whether it's something you're being paid for or not, you're still writing. And that's, that's great because you're going to be able to roll that into like, you've got some short stories in the murder scarecrow and Athena Voltaire pulp tales, you know, it, it still is helping you out, which is important. Right. Right. Keeps that, yeah, keeps it, that writing muscle going. Perfect. Yeah. That's exactly what, what it is. So do you think, uh, you know, are we going to be seeing some other, uh, maybe a, a full on, uh, novel from Michael Bay sometime in the future? I hope so, man. That's, uh, <laughs> I just finished, like I said, writing the sequel to kill all monsters. Um, and there's a nice amount of time before, that uh, is going to be able to to see print because Jason, the artist, is working on his own graphic novel right now that he wrote. And so once he finishes that, then he'll start writing this. So I got like this nice chunk of time, which is kind of like all mine. Um, and I do have uh, an idea for a fantasy novel that uh, that I want to write that I hope is going to be different from other fantasy novels. Um, it's uh, my influences are like I love, you know, Tolkien and high fantasy and, mm. you know, Harry Potter and all that stuff. But like my real influences are like folk tales and fairy tales and really kind of like back of the deep woods kinds of stuff. And oh. uh, so that's, that's kind of what I'm interested in, witches and, and that kind of thing. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to let us know when those come out. So that way I can give everybody a shout out that, uh, you know, go back to episode this and listen to Michael <laughs> May and then, uh, you know, his new books coming out. So, well, so you know, today we're hearing from Kill All Monsters, and uh, I, I think I, I'm sure I'm probably hearing people right now in the back of my mind saying, "Wait a minute, how do you write graphic novels? So what what goes into that process? Because it's, it's definitely different from novel writing." Yeah, it's a great question, and and everybody does it a little bit differently, but uh, I'll tell you kind of how I do it. And well, one thing that everybody does is so the writer writes basically a script and. You know, people might be more familiar with uh, like movie scripts, or you know, maybe they've they've read or or seen a movie script, or even written one themselves. Okay. Um, so you're writing um, basically uh, a description of what's going to be on the page for the artist to then interpret and, and draw. And there, where the individual writer's preferences kind of come into play um, and, and hopefully match up with the preferences of the artist is how much detail you put into your script. Um, so some writers put a ton of detail in and, you know, they'll describe the characters and they'll say this character is going to be on this side of the page and, and this, this page is going to have this many panels in it. And, and, uh, um, and then you can get a lot looser than that. Like back in the day when, uh, you know, Stanley and Jack Kirby were, creating Marvel comics together, like literally they're creating the company. Um, you know, Stan would just kind of write an outline of like, like this is kind of what I want to have happen in this, in this issue. And then Jack Kirby would go just draw the whole thing and then give it back to Stan and Stan would like put word balloons in. Mm-hmm. And so there's, you know, that's one way to do it. And for kill all monsters, Jason and I kind of fall somewhere in the middle. Um, and, and I've, the more we've worked together, the more I trust him. And, and I know, like I, I trust his, uh, his instincts to tell the story visually. And so I, I have 
purposely started to like pull back the amount of detail that I give. Like I still, like if there's, you know, someone's going to shoot a gun on page 60, um, I need to make sure that the person has a gun, you know, on page 57. Yeah. So I'll, you know, I'll let Jason, okay, make sure they're carrying a gun in this, in this, on this page because it's going to be important later. So, you know, you got to let them know, you know, what the important details are, but then I try to just let them be as free as possible with, uh, you know, what the page looks like and even what the characters look like. Like, you know, this is a, a comic about giant robots and giant monsters. And so my monster descriptions tend to be pretty, pretty loose. Like I'll say, okay, this is a flying monster and he's got laser beams for eyes. And then Jason describe just draws whatever he wants <laughs> around <laughs> that. Um, so like my descriptions of the monsters are very loose, but then my descriptions of the fights are then are pretty tight. Like I, I like fights that are well choreographed. I don't just like, I don't enjoy reading comics where it's just like splash page after splash page of this person's punching that person. And then this person's kicking that person and they don't really connect. Like I want you to be able to kind of like see the fight progress in your mind and like fill in, in mm. the, the gaps in between the panels. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be pretty specific about like how the fight goes, but then as far as like, you know, the specifics of what it looks like on the page, um, that's all Jason. That's cool though. So there's a, it's very much a symbiotic relationship between artist and author. Right. And, and you're, you're very much playing off of each other where, uh, I don't know, like how often you're surprising him with where the story goes and how often he's showing you something and like, oh, mm-hmm. God, yeah, I didn't think of it looking like that or it yeah. being able to do that. For sure. Like he'll even um, he'll he'll and he's he's nice enough. Jason will ask me if it's OK to do this or he doesn't. I've never said no. Um, but he'll say, hey, can I just combine these two panels? Because you have these two panels, but uh, I can I can communicate the action clearly in one and it'll be like a nice big splash panel instead of you know like two people just talking or something so like he's always like he brings his own like artistic sensibilities to it and and his instinct for like what's going to make it really exciting to look at wow okay yeah yeah it's great it's a it's a great feeling to like write down something that you kind of have imagined in your head and then see somebody bring that to life in a way that you didn't even imagine but you know it's kind of like what you imagine but it's better <laughs> it's, it's it's a really cool feeling well, I, I can just imagine, because I know, like, with my writer's group, uh, whenever we got to meet in person, uh, we have a couple of script writers in the group. Uh, two of them are, were actively writing scripts, and they would read from it to get our feedback. And it was a different mindset for me to that I had to learn mm. uh, to listen to him. You know, because it's, it's not just, uh, you know, Michael walked into the room and saw this or, you know, whatever. You, you're not really getting into the head so much. It's what's being expressed through the actions and, right. uh, you know, you got to like, hit those beats. And then, of course, you know, here's the dialogue, 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 right. uh, like crazy. Right. And and uh, so that's that's fascinating that I didn't even think about that a, a graphic novel is that close to a script. Yeah, yeah. And, and you make a really great point, too, about, you know, in a graphic novel, um, at least the way that I write them, um, like I don't get too deeply into the thought like you don't it's not like you're reading a novel where you can get pages and pages of this is what this person thinks about what's happening right now Mm -hmm. and you like i know some comics that will do that but i always get bored like i think of comics predominantly as a visual medium um 
if you're if you're gonna spend page after page after page with captions just describing like what's going on in somebody's head, you shouldn't be making a comic out of it. You should be writing a novel. <laughs> but the comics that I write tend to be very they they, they read pretty fast. Um, they they I like them to be page turners. I like them to um, mostly be action oriented and definitely let the art drive the story. Like I don't I'm not very wordy. Like you look through one of my comics and there's not just pages filled with caption boxes or even dialogue boxes. It's just like, let's breeze through this. Like I, you know, one of the nice things about Kill All Monsters is 300 something pages. So it takes you a while to, to read it. But the feedback that I keep getting is it's a very breezy read. It's not like you have to, you know, spend a ton of time pouring over each page, reading it. Uh, although you might want to spend a lot of time on these pages because of how beautiful Jason's drawn it. <laughs> that's awesome and it's it, you've got it available on hardcover or mm-hmm. ordering from kindle and comiXology which is really cool right too. yes exactly yep this is awesome man i cannot wait to uh to dive into this myself i'm gonna have to order one and uh check this out i i don't think i've ever oh gosh well no that's, that's not true i did i have uh i've tried out a couple of the free sample comics on uh on my kindle but uh yeah i'm gonna mm-hmm. have to uh I'm going to have to check this out because this looks pretty awesome. That or maybe I'll just order the hardcover and uh, have it on my shelf here behind me. Cool. <laughs> this looks awesome, man. Well, definitely. When the uh, when the next one comes out and uh, whenever if you if you do get busy on those novels or maybe you sell a script one of these days, you got to let us know so that we can help uh, promote it for you. Absolutely, for sure. All right. Michael, thank you so much again for uh, coming on the show. Where can people find and follow you? Uh, so michaelmade.online is my website, my, my blog, uh, and that's a, that's a great place if you just want to kind of read what I'm up to you. I'm also really active on Twitter, uh, and my Twitter handle is michaelmadecomics uh, with an X, so comics, C-O-M-I-X. And uh, you can get a hold of me there, and uh, and I'm, I'm pretty responsive. Yes, yes, and, and I can attest he's also on Goodreads, and he's right now he's kicking my butt on this year's uh, book uh, goals. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but still uh you can you can follow them there too <laughs> if nothing else the pandemic has been pretty good to my uh <laughs> my goodreads challenge <laughs> yes absolutely and and again i'm gonna also uh give a shout out for the show hellbent for letterbox it's a great show i really enjoy it and it's just i, I can't believe like well for me and i don't think it's just my age but just getting to go back and re- revisit all these old westerns and and new ones for that matter, uh, it has been a lot of fun for me. So everybody's got to make sure and go check that out. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for me to set aside and check this out. I'm I'm so excited. This is I have no idea what to expect, and I don't think Michael does either. So <laughs> this is going to be fun. And, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to hand the floor to our guest, Michael May, with Kill All Monsters. All right. So this is going to be the story time, boys and girls. <laughs> um, and because it's a, a graphic novel, actually, there's like a little bit of a cold open before we get to, to the name of the chapter. So the page that I'm starting on takes place in Kenya, and there's a little village. And people are just kind of walking around the village, going about their business. And then there's a young boy playing with a toy, and you see this puddle start to kind of uh, ripple, and there's a little thoom sound and then the boy and everybody in the background like take off and there's a larger thoom sound and then the boy runs to his mother and they're looking up at something and then it's revealed that this is gigantic insect kind of creature and 
It's going, yeah! And then the chapter title is revealed, Chapter 2, Attack of the Killer Robot. And on that page, you have this giant robot kind of doing a full body tackle of this insect monster and with the, the sound effect, thoom! The robot throws the insect monster off it uh, it fuds off into a into a field and the robot points uh, an arm at it with these uh, it looks like some kind of missiles or something embedded in the in the wrist of this robot. He fires some missiles at the monster and they enter the monster with a spelt sound effect. The monster there's a, an explosion there's a boom and the robot runs towards the monster screaming ah. He jumps up into the air, rolls over the top of the monster into like a barrel roll and comes up on his feet on the other side. Then he runs back to the monster, grabs its pinchers, and he says, let's do this. And he rips off the monster's head with a crack. He slams the head down into the dirt, screams, yeah, kicks it, says, see ya. And the head goes flying through the air right towards a helicopter that's coming in from off stage, And the helicopter, someone in the helicopter says, look out, evasive, evasive. And someone in the helicopter says, Archer, what are you doing? As they narrowly miss the, uh, the head of this flying insect. And Archer, the giant robot standing next to the headless body of the insect monster says, uh-oh, I'm sorry, General. Voice in the helicopter says, that's all right, Archer. You're enthusiastic. That's understandable. You just need to be more careful in the future. Archer says, yes, General. And then you see the uh, inside the helicopter is an older man. He's a Middle Eastern. He says, excellent work, Archer. Uh, an excellent first kill. I'm very impressed. Archer says, it was just a beat, Lloyd, General. He wasn't very tough at all. And the general says, they'll get tougher, my friend. I promise you that. Good first outing. I'll see you back at base. And then we have a big splash page of the helicopter flying over the jungle. And kind of looming out of the jungle, there's all these uh, kind of mountains with like the, the, they're almost volcanic there's waterfalls it's a really gorgeous splash page of a uh, um this kind of jungle setting and looming out of the middle of the jungle is this uh this pyramid temple structure and that's where the helicopter is is returning to the helicopter lands and someone approaches and says general rashad welcome back sir how did the testing go the general is coming out of the helicopter he says very well archer's right behind us he's going to make a fine addition to the team Speaking of which, any word from them? The other man says, no, sir, not yet. They missed their first check-in. We're still trying to raise them. At that point, we uh, you turn the page, and we're now with some characters that were introduced earlier in the in the story. And uh, um, one of them, is, there's a giant robot, and it's kind of frozen. It was injured in a battle that was that was before this chapter. And the pilots of this robot is kind of on the knee of the robot and uh, he's looking off into the distance. He says, I can't see them anymore. Spence, do you have them? There were five or six of them. Look, like they had spears, a couple of dogs or something with them. And then you can see that there's these people running away from the robots, kind of shadowy figures carrying spears and they're running with a pack of dogs. The one of the other robots is a giant lion shaped robot. And uh, the pilot of that robot is saying, I lost them too. They took off too fast. And you see inside that robot, and the, there's a pilot there. He says, uh, they probably just came to see the fight. And uh, something beeps on his console, and he says, there's headquarters checking in. Pushes a button. He says, HQ, this is GR1. Sorry, we didn't check in sooner. We ran into some trouble. 
Then we cut back to uh, General Rashad, and he's in a command center. He says, GR-1, this is HQ. What kind of trouble? The giant kind, sir. Eight of them. General Rashad says, eight all at once? And then uh, the pilot of the lion robot says, that's right, sir, but don't worry. They're all dead now. General Rashad says, and what's your current situation? We're fine, sir, except for Akemi's bot. Her jets are shot. Can you fly at all, GR-2? No, sir. I'm stuck here. I can't fix it with what I have says Akemi. Akemi is a Japanese woman who's working on the outside of her robot. General Rashad says, all right, will the bots be okay if you leave them where they are for a while? Can you find shelter? And then Spencer is the name of the guy in the the, uh, lion robot. He says, yes, sir, there are plenty of empty buildings around. Scopes show no monster activity anywhere. We did catch sight of some human locals, but they scattered pretty quickly. Rashad says, could it be the resistance group we heard about? Spencer says, I don't know, sir. They look pretty primitive. They're probably just survivors. Rashad says, all right, come uh, find some cover and stay down. We'll send Archer with a mechanic and supplies. Then Akemi, who is still working on the outside of her robot, she says, Archer, sir? Spencer says, has it been fully tested yet, General? Rashad says, not fully, no, but testing has gone very well so far. He'll be fine for this mission. Spencer says, yes, sir. We've got your homing signal, says Rashad. He'll be there soon. Spencer says, yes, sir, GR1 out. Akemi says, GR2 out. She does not look happy. And then the uh, the third pilot, who's sitting on the knee of his robot, says, GR3 out. And then Rashad says, HQ out. And the guy, his name is Dressen, was sitting on the knee of his robot, uh, just kind of sits there brooding for a minute and says, well, okay, then. And he starts to climb down. Kimmy also starts to climb down. She uh, she gets to the bottom of her robot, jumps the last little bit, lands just as Dressen is coming up, and Dressen says, well? Akemi says, well, what? Dressen says, Archer, that's what. What else would I be talking about? Akemi says, it's coming. What do you want me to say? Dressen says, but you can't be happy about it. She says, Dressen, I'm not happy about a lot of things. I'm not happy that we accidentally created giant monsters in the 50s. I'm not happy that they're stomping around everywhere, killing people and destroying homes and making us wear giant armored suits. But we've got a job to do when you work with what you have. Oh, that's brilliant. Justin says, wait a sec, she says. Spencer, are you coming down? She's speaking into her wrist communicator. And then up in Spencer's robot, he says, yeah, I just wanted to scan the area one more time. I'll be right there. He says, take Dressen and go search for shelter. I'll catch up. Akimi says, I'd rather wait for you. We have a couple of hours of daylight left, so we're fine. Just hurry up, okay? Spencer is in a wheelchair. Uh, He's actually a paraplegic. He has uh, no legs below his knees. And he takes the chair into an elevator and is pushing some buttons. He says, I'm on my way. Akemi says, still? What's taking so long? He says, settle down. I'm in the lift now. She goes, you want me to hum the girl from Ipanema for you? He says, shut up. That's one slow elevator. I could probably sing it a few times. Shut up. Then the uh, it cuts to soon, and they're, the three of them, Spencer and Dressen and Akemi, are walking through the rubbled streets of Paris. And uh, Akemi says, I don't know. Do you guys see anything? Dressen says, defensible? Not yet. Everything's crumbling. Uh, those people we saw aren't friendly. And Akimi points. She's smiling. She goes, there. And they're looking at this cafe that's completely just it's, it's rubble. It's hardly holding itself together. She goes, on the corner. Dressen says, you're, you're joking, right? That place is going to collapse any second. Akimi runs off and says, let's check it out. Dressen yells her name and then turns to Spencer. He says, boss, you can't seriously be thinking. Spencer says, you heard her. Let's go check it out. Dressen rolls his eyes. Oh, you're taking her side. Shocking. Inside the, the cafe, Akimi uh, is undoing her backpack. She goes, it's great, you guys. 
Spencer rolls in on his wheelchair. He says, not bad, Akemi. Nice job. She goes, oh, you know me. Always looking out. It's a bit dark, isn't it? Says Dressen. Goes, it won't be in a second, Grumpy. And then in the shadows near her, you hear this grrr. And someone yells, Akemi, get down. And this ginormous wolf creature. I say ginormous. It's really, it's just a little bit bigger than human size. So it's not like a giant kaiju but uh it's like this wolf creature is attacking her and spencer and dressen both pull out their guns and shoot at it the creature goes down akemi says what is that dressen goes over to it it goes a really big fox spencer says no way look at it it's bipedal do you see the way it jumped and then they go they ask akemi and akemi's kind of just retreating into herself after her narrow escape dressen says you okay she says yeah i'm, I'm okay thanks dressen says nice place just brilliant Kimmy says, what are you trying to say? Dressen says, oh, relax. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about this. He points at the, the fox creature and Archer. Spencer says, I know it can't be combat ready yet. Dressen says, so what are we going to do? Spencer says, what can we do? Dressen starts picking up the fox creature and Akimi offers to help. Uh, Spencer says, uh, Archer's just bringing the mechanic to fix Akimi's bot. Hopefully we'll be out of here before any more monsters show up. Dressen says, well, I don't like it. Spencer says, none of us do. You think I want to trust the monster fighting to an AI? I'm nervous as hell about it. But again, what choice do we have? Rashad's made up his mind. So they start pulling the uh, the fox creature out into the street. and uh, go. They go outside, and, and Spencer says, let's dump it around the side. Akimi says, what if we sabotaged it? The robot, I mean. Spencer says, Akimi, don't even joke about that. If Rashad heard you say that, he'd lock you away for the rest of your life. Akemi says, I know, I'm not really serious. Just that thing scares the crap out of me. Dressen says, you and me both, sister. Akemi says, frickin' technology. What do you mean? asks Dressen. It's getting away from us again, she says. She and Dressen drop the fox creature with a thump. She kind of stretches out her elbow. She goes, it's bad enough that our atomic testing created those damn monsters. Now we're building equally nasty killer robots. I can't figure out why Rashad doesn't see it. She starts picking up some rocks and Dressen asks her what she's doing. She says, I'm going to bury it. She starts putting rocks on top of the fox creature. Spencer says, Rashad's dedicated whatever it takes to wipe the monsters out. You can't disagree with his passion. Dressen says, passion's one thing. Killer robots are over the line. Spencer says, damn it, Dressen. I hate you making me defend it. But do, do you even remember why we're doing this? Dressen says, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Spencer's really angry now. He says, fighting those monsters cost me my freaking legs. Before I met Rashad, I thought we were dead. I thought the world was dead, and all we were doing was waiting to die. We were done. I know Britain was the same way in Japan. Hell, the entire world was like that, except Rashad. He created a way for us to fight back. So while I don't like the idea of a killer robot any more than you do, I sure as hell trust him. If the Earth survives this, we'll owe it all to that man. So don't you dare suggest sabotage or anything that remotely sounds like mutiny or treason to me again. Got it? And the very last panel, as he says, got it is a building up above and a pair of human legs wrapped in like furs and and bandages as uh, someone's listening in on their conversation. And that's the end of chapter two. Dun, dun, dun. Ha ha. That was Michael May giving us a fantastic reading from his graphic novel, Kill All Monsters. Oh, I, you know, I told you this was a lot of fun. And, you know, it was a treat for the imagination. Click that link in the show notes for this book to follow Michael on all of his social media and his website, his blogs, everything there. Check out his podcasts. 
check out his artist, Jason Copeland. And don't forget to also click for our sponsors and podcast friends alike. Tune in later this week when I am back with Bonnet Bartron and her latest novel, Whispers. See you again here in a few days, folks. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.